and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Reading from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. When I was growing up, I had all kinds of ideas of who I wanted to be. I remember being, um, uh, going through a phase where I wanted to be Superman. Um, I never really wanted to be Spider-Man. I'm not sure why. Nothing against Spider-Man. But, but Superman was really cool because he could fly. And it also was really cool because nobody really knew who he was. But I never can think of a time when I was a kid when I said, you know what, when I get older... What I want more than anything else is to be mediocre at best at my job. What I want more than anything else is just to barely get by. What I really want more than anything else is to be able to have enough money at the end of the month to pay all my bills and maybe go to McDonald's. That never was my thought. I never thought of a mediocre idea or dream for my life, but most of my dreams were excellent Most of them had me doing things great, like being a professional baseball player, um, a superhero. When I was older, I remember thinking, you know, I want to be rich. I don't care how I get there, I just want to be rich so that I can buy things for everyone. And somehow we can justify those sometimes and think, you know what, I really want this so I can do things for others. But there's something at the center of almost all those dreams, and that something was me. These are things that I wanted, things that I wanted for me. And what I want us to look at today is that God does have a specific plan for you and a specific plan for me. But we will miss that if we put ourselves at the center of that plan. God has an excellent plan for your life. It's not just a mediocre plan. It doesn't mean that you're going to be Superman or a professional athlete of some sort or the richest person on, uh, on the planet. But an excellent plan with God is a wonderful, exalting plan. It's not a a plan that has us just be comfortable in life. It's not a plan to where we just have just enough. It's not a plan to where we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people and now we're better than them so we feel better about ourselves. And it's not even a plan to where we measure by how we were last year and how we are this year. But God has a plan for us that is an excellent one and it has him at the center of it. And there are three things, if you want to follow along in the outline that's provided for you in the worship folder, uh, there are three ways that God has caused, caused us or chosen us for excellence. We are chosen not for mediocrity, not to be comfortable, but God has chosen us for excellence. And number one is this, that 
you and I are chosen as an excellent people. You and I are chosen as an excellent people. And I have a question. As you sit here today, have you thought at all today of this fact that I was chosen by God? I was picked by Him. God looked upon me and says, I want you. Has that crossed your mind at all today? I feel like that is a truth that we should be immersing ourselves with on a daily, moment-by-moment basis that we were chosen by Him. Do you believe that you've been chosen as a person of excellence? Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves and we think, well, of course. Have you not seen my uh, portfolio? I do great work, um, which is fine. I'm glad you do great work. But Sometimes we look on the, we fall on the other side and we think, okay, I'm not good enough for this, I'm not good enough for that. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But this week we're talking about that we are chosen for excellence. Peter was writing this letter to a group of Christians who had been dispersed around what's modern day Turkey right now. There were a small number of them who lived in this uh, land that was filled with people who were hostile toward their faith. He was writing these words to them. He was saying that you were chosen for excellence. And I wonder, did they feel like they were chosen for excellence? With all the afflictions they were going through, with all the struggles they went to, with, with all the, uh, the, the pressures they had, with all the, uh, the abuse that they uh, put up with because of their faith, the trials they went through because of their faith, I wonder if they really felt chosen for excellence. So look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The first part of it. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Now, these are the people that are dispersed around. You're a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. A chosen race, a chosen people. It's singular. You are singular, our chosen people, this group that is singular. You are a royal priesthood. You are of royal blood. There's royal blood flowing through your veins that you belong to the king of kings and you are a priesthood. And we talked about that last week. A priesthood of praise. It says you are a holy nation. You are God's own possession, which means this, that you are God's special people. He looks upon you with favor and delight. This is who you are. You're not just dispersed. You're not weak. You're not scattered abroad and powerless. But this is who you are in Christ. So the first thing I want us to understand tonight is that you're not normal. God hasn't called you to a normal life, but he's chosen you to be a person of excellence. Which means this. In your relationships, you have a lot to offer. You're not inferior whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship, but you are chosen for excellence. At work, you bring excellence to the workplace instead of being the one who cuts out of work early when the boss isn't around. You're not the one who cuts corners because you know you can get away with it, but you're the person who's chosen to bring excellence to the workplace. You're chosen to stand out. You're chosen to be the one who does what is not uh, expected in a good way. For those of you listening online, someone was honking for a long time outside. That's not who you are. You're not the one laying down on the horn. (laughs) When it comes to yourself and how you view yourself as a person of excellence, 
There's a, there's a hymn called uh, Because He Lives. I, I grew up, and I, we had Sunday nights at church. Uh, the fifth Sunday night, we'd always have open hymns, so you could just call out numbers. And uh, my favorite song was Because He Lives. And there's a, there's a lyric that says, And I'll know that life is worth the living just because He lives. So when you know that you're chosen for excellence, you know that no matter what you go through, life is worth living. And we go through a difficult time, difficult times in our lives, but life is worth living because we know we're chosen as a person or as an excellent people. So that's who you are. Now let's look at the second one. Number two, why are you here? You are set apart for an excellent purpose. So you're chosen as an excellent people. You're set apart for an excellent purpose. Last week we saw that our purpose was to be a holy priesthood of praise. And it's very similar this week. Peter is, is coming back to this point that this is what you're here for. And he says it again in verse uh, 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from God's, uh, of, for God's own possession, so that, so that means here's what you're here for, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're here to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. That's your purpose here, to declare, to proclaim that God is good. And here's, here, here's how I'm going to praise him. It's, it's understanding the praiseworthiness of God. Some of you probably know that the Oscars are tonight, right? Some of you are very excited about that. Some of you, this is news to you. You did not know it was the Oscars tonight. But the Oscars proclaim the excellencies of people within the American film industry. And it's the 90th Academy Awards tonight, so it's a big deal. Uh, Something, though, this year might be really different because there's this movement called Me Too. And it has exposed many people who have been celebrated in this industry and others, who have been proclaimed as worthy of praise, it has exposed them as people who have hurt and abused other people. So I would imagine tonight might be a little interesting as we see people that have been praised in one year now not being praised. People once celebrated in this industry are now reviled. This will never happen with our Lord. We're never going to wake up one day and find this scandalous news about Jesus that we need to backtrack on or be devastated over because he is the most excellent. He is the one whom we are to praise. He's the one who will never disappoint us. He is the one to whom, when we're spending our time praising him, we know that it's always going to be worthy. He's always going to be worthy, worthy of our praise. And so I wonder, as we apply this in, in being purposed in, in praising God, who is it that we're praising with our life? Who is it that we're, we're always talking about? Who is it that we celebrate? Who is it that, we, um, that we, we can't wait to tell people about? Is it a sports team? Is it, is it actors? Is it your new favorite author? Is it Will Ferrell because he's funny? Which he is funny. But we constantly hear people, I don't have any news on him, so that wasn't any pre- precursor. I hope, hope everything's good with Will Ferrell. But we constantly hear of new people in our lives that we, that we talk about and we praise. There is a new voice for this, a new voice for that. And a few people, thankfully, will stand the test of time. And it's good to praise people. We should look for ways to, to celebrate the good works that people do. It's not at the Oscars. Some people will be rewarded for great work that they have done. That's a good thing. But your purpose isn't 
to do that, your purpose is to exalt and proclaim the excellencies of Him, the one, Jesus. Proclaiming His excellencies will never let you down. Number three, here we go. We're moving fast tonight, and there's a good reason for it. i got to watch the Oscars. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> number three, here we go. You are called into the most excellent position. You were called into the most excellent position. So if your purpose is to praise the Lord, this is the reason why you do that. Because he's given you a new position in life. In movies, there are different roles and uh, that people play. There's the lead role. There's the supporting actor. Some people are directing. Some people are in costume design. There's all kinds of roles that people play, different positions. But here we see two positions illuminated for us. The position that's in darkness and the position that is in light. We see two positions here. Darkness and light. And we're going to read uh, chapter, uh, verse 9 and 10 together here again. Here we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So it says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, called you out. He's voiced us. A kaleo is the Greek word there. It means there is this, this power. It shows us there's this power when God speaks. When he says something, things happen. He speaks. We see this in uh, the Genesis where he speaks and the world is created. We see it in another place I'm going to show in a second where God speaks and life comes. When God speaks, life begins. He says, we've called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Darkness and light. We've positionally changed. We were in the darkness, and now we are in the light. Darkness is, um, it means the evil world. It's not just that you're in the dark, but it's this evil world that we're in. And Jesus through the sound of his voice, through speaking, causes that darkness to tremble. And he calls us out of darkness into marvelous light. So the reason I went faster those three points is because as I was studying this this week, there was a, a, a story in the Bible that stood out to me as I focused on this called out that God called us out when he spoke and we came out of darkness. There's a story of, of I was like, where is this? it's just like God is standing there and he says, Daniel. And then I come out of the darkness into light. I'm standing there and Jesus calls my name and you, or calls your name, and you come out of darkness into light. And it's the story of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus he was very well connected. Jesus loved him very much, and he became sick, and Jesus got word in, in John chapter 11. He got word that his friend was sick, and he was not worried about him. In fact, he said, no, 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 this sickness isn't going to lead to death. In fact, this is going to, to bring glory to God. 
And so Jesus takes his time for about four days. He just kind of takes his time after he gets the word. And he, and he doesn't go see them, even though they were wanting him to come do that. And so pick up with me in John chapter 11, verses 6 and following. And I want you to see some parallels to this story and the story of the verses that we just looked at in 1 Peter. It says in verse 6, So when Jesus heard that he, Lazarus, was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, his followers, those closest to him, he says, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, to kill you with rocks. And you're going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What do we see? Darkness and light. There's 12 hours of day or, or daytime is what he's talking about here. And there's 12 hours of darkness, nighttime. And he's saying if you walk in the light, you'll be safe. You'll see the obstacles, you go around them, you will be productive. But if you walk in the darkness, you will stumble and you will fall. Called out of darkness into light. Darkness causes us to stumble, but light will straighten our path. Now we're going to uh, see what happens. He, he ends up taking his time going there, and he gets there, and uh, he's met by the sister of Lazarus. And she's upset. She's like, Why, what took you so long to get here? He's dead already. He's been, he's been gone. If you'd come here sooner, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that if, if, if you say the word, that you can, you can heal him. And so he goes, and he sees the tomb, and all this drama's happened, and people are talking. Jesus cries, and he weeps, and they say, oh, look, he must have loved Lazarus so much. Look at him weeping. And he's, he's deeply grieved, and he's uh, he's moved, and uh, there's one part where it says that, that he um, has this anger within him. This one peop- some people think that he's really angry at the, at the death and the, the misery that death is causing to the people he loves. But there are also some people, some scholars, who believe that that, that anger is welling because time after time after time he has proven himself, and people just will not have faith in him. That over and over, people keep doubting him. He multiplies food that would feed three or four people to feed three or four thousand. Yet they still doubt him. He heals the lame and they still doubt him. He does all these things and they still doubt him time after time. And in verse 38, if you jump ahead in the story, he, he goes to the tomb. And Jesus, again, in verse 38 being deeply moved, being deeply moved within, he comes to the tomb where his friend is laying. Now it was a cave, and there was a stone lying against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to Jesus, Lord, if you remove the stone, there's going to be a stench. Because he's been dead for four days. This is a very 
powerful moment, and it's also really good advice from Martha. Jesus, he's been dead for four days. We've been here when, he's de- when, he, when he died. We understand what's going on with the body decomposing. We don't want to move that stone. I hear you, but I think you're wrong, Jesus. The stench of this darkness that he's in. He's in this dark tomb. And there's this stench. And that stench of darkness is death. See, when we walk in darkness, it's not just going to cause us to stumble and and hurt ourselves and to have an uncomfortable life, but darkness eventually leads us to death. The stench of darkness is death, not just stumbling. So what happens? She says, I wouldn't open it if I were you. But Jesus said to her in verse 40, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes, and this is an amazing prayer if you think about it. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me because, uh, or I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it. I said it out loud so that they may believe that you sent me. Do you see why some scholars believe that he's frustrated with them? Like, why do you keep. Why do you keep having this spirit of unbelief when it comes to things that I'm doing? Have you not seen? What is it going to take for it to finally click with you? I'm going to say this out loud, God. I know that you're hearing my prayers. I know that you've sent me, but they don't know. But the good news is they were still obedient, even though they didn't understand. They removed the stone. And so we can take a lesson from that as well to see that even when we don't understand something, we can still be faithful to obey. And we can still remove the stone in our lives. So let's pick back up in verse 43 because it gets, it gets better. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And then Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Can you imagine the surprise on their face? The joy, the fear. Oh, snap, there's a mummy walking out of that tomb. What is going on here? He was dead and now he is alive. But Jesus, we see here, called him out of darkness into light. There is power in the word of Jesus, in in the spoken word of Christ. And he tells a dead person to do something that's impossible. A dead person can't get up and come out of the grave. But Jesus calls out something that's impossible for this person to do, and life happens. And then... He tells them, take the grave clothes off of him. These things that are meant for dead people, take them off of them because he's no longer dead. Now there's some people that, uh, that loved what Jesus did. Okay, They were like, that's amazing. I'm going to tell everyone about this and this is good. 
And there were some other people that said, this is not amazing. This is a threat to me. I don't like what's happening here. We're going to get in trouble by the Romans. And we need to do something about this guy who's going around stirring stuff up. And so from that group, the people that saw Jesus as a threat, we see this in verse 49. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, he spoke up and he says, you guys know nothing at all. So they were arguing about what to do with Jesus, how to get rid of him. He says, you don't know anything at all. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. So that's what Caiaphas said. In this next verse, we're going to see John interpret for us what that meant. And in verse 51, it says, He, Caiaphas, didn't say this on his own, but as the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish, Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and to make them one. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen race. God's own special people. They're scattered out, and I'm going to make them one. And then verse 53 picks back up to where Caiaphas and the the hostile crowd was. So from that day forward, they plotted to take Jesus' life. So Caiaphas prophesied correctly, even though that he was wrong as to how it was going to happen. He said, don't you know it's better for you that Jesus die instead of the whole nation? Yes, that's the gospel. But what he was saying was, Don't you know it's better for us to kill him so Rome doesn't come in here and kill all of us? That's what he was saying. He realized, or he thought that Rome was the greatest threat to the Jewish nation. But the greatest threat to them was darkness. The greatest threat to them was death. The greatest threat to them was sin. And they did not understand, just like Jesus' own followers did not understand who he was. The scattered, John said, would be gathered into one nation through Jesus. And we know that through Calvary, through the the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, that happened. That the scattered became gathered. The followers of Jesus even gathered after the resurrection when, like Lazarus, Jesus comes out of the tomb, but differently. Lazarus came out of the tomb as a, as a dead man who you could recognize and he had the same body and probably had same scars and birthmarks and all those things. But when Jesus came out of the tomb, he had a glorified body. He was healed. He didn't come out maimed and, and bloody and, and, uh, and, and dirty from the terrible crucifixion he endured, but he came back differently in this glorified body, this glorified resurrection, so much so that it scared people when they saw him. But after they had gathered after the resurrection, eventually they ended up scattering because of persecution. Which is where we come back now. I want to take us back to Peter's letter. Because Peter was writing to that group of people that had scattered out because of the persecution. He was writing to them. The Christians were living in a land that was hostile to their faith. They were living where it was not popular. It was not a good thing. It wasn't good to put on your resume that you're a Christian. It wasn't good for your job um, promotion possibilities for you to point out the fact that you serve at your church they were living in a place that was hostile to their faith and so they had gathered in order to be scattered to proclaim the excellence of the one who called them out of the stench of darkness and death into the vibrant light of life 
So see, Jesus gathered them in, and then God has scattered them out to go and declare the excellencies of Him, the one who's called us out of darkness into light. So Jesus spoke us out of darkness, and because of that, we are to speak of His excellencies. And through doing that, God's going to use us to call others out of darkness into light. So we gather on Sundays and other times throughout the week, and, and then at, when we leave those places, we scatter. We go different places. We go to the workplace, we go to school, we go uh, home, wherever it may be. We scatter. And sometimes you may be at the workplace and you think, I'm all alone here. I'm the only Christian here. I'm the only one who shares my values. And that may be true in your workplace. You may be the only Christian at your workplace. But you need to be empowered tonight because you're never alone. You're part of the scattered. And tonight, this is why it is important for you to make sure that you go to church. One of the simplest things that we need to do, this is a scriptural command that it says to, to not give up meeting uh, together regularly and encouraging one another because you need to be encouraged. We live in a difficult world. People will honk at us for a minute and a half while we're trying to preach. You know, we live in a difficult world where people are just going to do things. And I, I, you know what? This is a hard city to live in. Can I get an Amen. Isn't it a, a great city? It's a wonderful city. It's got wonderful things about it. But in some ways, don't you just want to move sometimes? And just say, what was I thinking in living here? What were my parents thinking in making me stay here? It's a hard city. There are difficult seasons that we go through. So why do we want to be here? I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I've been scattered here. I'm thankful for the life that I had growing up where I went to church and, and uh, had a, more of a protected childhood. I, I'm happy for that. I love my parents. I love the community I grew up in. But God's called me to something different. He hasn't called me to go to that area and to be in a Christian um, environment. He's called me to be here in this Christian environment to go and reach people who are still in the darkness. I mean, the lights of Manhattan never really go off, but there's a lot of darkness in our city. I'm pretty sure I read online, it's not confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure there was a shooting just a block and a half that way last night, just off of Steinway. And, I, and it's not the, the most recent one. There's a lot of, I mean, there's other ones that have happened recently is what I'm trying to say. So there's a lot of things that are going on here. It's a difficult place to be, but we're scattered here. And we, whether we're great in number or small in number, listen, we are God's chosen. We are chosen as His excellent people. We're part of the elect. We're part of God's special people. You're empowered. I'm empowered to live a life of excellence. He empowers us to use our gifts to honor Him, and to be part of His plan to call more people out of darkness into light. 
So we see Lazarus and we say, wow, that's pretty amazing. I would like to have seen that. What a great miracle. But that's exactly what happened to you when God called you to salvation. Before Christ, before trusting in Him, we are dead like Lazarus. We are in the darkness. We are dead in our sin. And then Christ calls us out. And then we are brand new. And when we come out of that tomb, we have a new life of excellence. When we come out, that's the time for us to take those grave clothes off. I think too many of us walk around with our grave clothes still on. God's resurrected us and given us new light, but we still stank. We're still walking around in those same clothes. We still have that same old mentality that, that I'm, I'm just filthy and wretched and all those things. And we forget, no, 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 God's called you out. Yes, are we tempted to go and run away from him? Absolutely, that's what temptation is. But that's not who you are. God has given you life. He's called you out of darkness into a new life. And so it's time to take off the grave clothes and walk in newness of life. Now I'll close with this. I guarantee you, 100%, I don't really know what I would back this up with. There's nothing on the table. But here's my statement. I guarantee you, Lazarus, Lazarus sometimes I say Lazarus, like Nazareth. You, anybody with me on that? Okay, a few of you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Austin. I can always count on you. So I guarantee you, Lazarus didn't have any reservations telling people how Jesus raised him from the dead. I bet you he didn't think, well, I don't know if I should tell them about it because it may offend them. <laughs> they may think I'm weird. He'd be like, I don't care what you think. I was dead, and I heard him say, Lazarus, come out. And somehow, I came out. Think what you want about me. I am a stranger being. I get it. I don't fit in here, but I'm just telling you the truth. That I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was living in darkness, but now I'm living in light. I once was stumbling and dead in my sin, but now I've taken the grave clothes off and I've put on a cloak of excellence. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am a chosen race. A holy priesthood. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God in a very special way. So I want you to rest in that. Rest in knowing God that he's called you out to declare his excellencies, and he's positioned you as a child of light. So I want you to go this week, and I want you to live a life of excellence. I want you to be the best person at your work. I want you to have the best attitude. I want you to not honk when people are bothering you. I want you, when the MTA is late, and we know it's going to happen, to not be the one to jump in with the complaints. Look for ways to be a person of excellence this week. That's who you are. Take the grave clothes off, off and put on grace. You with me? All right. Will you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, I pray for us tonight. I pray that you would call us out in, uh, in our next step of faith. Lord, you are the most excellent God. You are worthy of our praise. You have established as a fact that you love the world by sending Jesus to die for our sins. And Lord Jesus, we praise you as the one who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Fill our hearts with joy that overflows in proclaiming your excellencies to others because of your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us and for calling us out as your people. In your name I pray, amen.